Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Harbert, your host, and we are certainly glad to have you here today. Mr. Brandon Noe is here. How are you doing, Brandon? I'm doing really good, Mark. How about you? I am telling you, dude, I am perky. I'm a popping. I am just absolutely having the greatest time of my life because it's opening week. That day we've been clamoring for, the day that I didn't even think, or I should say the week that I've been clamoring for, and I had had great doubts it was going to be here. Yeah, Mark. I mean, it's it's only been a week at this point, and we've had pretty much everything we've had in a season. I mean, we've already had fights. We've had a perfect game controversy. We've had everything so far. We're only a week in. <laughs> so we distill it on this week, and we just roll it up until October and everything else happens. That No, no. But, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's been unbelievable, Brandon. I mean, all the activity here. We've got a lot of things to talk about. And, boys and girls, we're obviously not going to talk about everything, but we're going to find the things that uh, Brandon and I find that have the most interest to us, we hope also have the most interest for you. All right, brother, where do we want to kick off on this opening weeks? What's uh, some of the most interesting things that you saw? Um, one thing that really caught my eye was the hot start that the Blue Jays have. Ooh. I mean, looking at them, they they got off to a really hot, hot start where at one point they were on track for 931 runs and 324 home runs, which would have blown the record out which was 307 held by the 2019 twins. They were so good. They earned a nickname called the bomb squad. And that was during (laughs) that home run surge back in 2019, but they cooled off a little bit and they got shut out by the Yankees in the first game. But then last night they, they sort of made up for it. And now they have 29 runs in six games, averaging 4.8 runs a game. And Vlad jr. He's been leading the way with four homers, eight RBIs. Three of them came last night, which was Wednesday night at the time of recording. And Springer's right behind him with two home runs and five RBIs. So a, a really good start for them. Yeah, let, let's talk about that for a minute. Just even that Yankee series alone. Oh, goodness gracious. I mean, it's like the Yankees ran into a buzzsaw in their own home stadium. Well, what's happening here? I mean, it's last night watching uh, Vladdy out there. He he was he got one home run. Then another time he's out there and somebody steps on his finger and then he starts bleeding and they take a look at it. And well, are we going to take Vladdy out? Vladdy says, no way. Put a little tape on there. I'm going right back out. And then what? Uh, I believe he hit two more home runs after and, that one. And two more home runs. That's the Toronto Blue Jays buzzsaw that's been cooking up there in Yankee Stadium. You know, they're, they're kicking it. They're absolutely going to be kicking it all season long. They may be leading the ALEs throughout the entire year. But the Yankees taking it hard, man. You know, and it was the last night, I think, even that, uh, that Garrett Coe was pitching against the Jays. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they got all the pregame ceremonies done in time so it didn't throw them off too bad. But that, that was actually a really fun game. It looked like the Blue Jays were going to pull away for a while, then the Yankees clawed back, and they almost tied it at, at the end. And I believe it was John Sterling. He had the home run call, or what he thought was going to be a home run. He, he did his spiel, everything. He was like, he was going, gone. <laughs> I oh. saw it on Twitter, and that was, that was a great way to brighten up my morning. <laughs> well, I know it's, it's exciting, and, and I'm I'm looking forward to what all is going to happen with the Jays and our good friend Brent Cardi of the Cardi Show. If you all haven't listened to him, check him out. He's on most podcast directories everywhere. You know he he sees us. He's seen this coming. I mean, he's got to be excited about it. A lot of us were concerned. Well, let's see, they're losing Robbie Ray, and they lost Marcus Simeon, and all this, and. Well, how, how are the Blue Jays going to do? Well, they're, they're showing us how they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a pretty good time to be a, a Toronto sports fan. I mean, you got the Maple Leafs, they're getting hot going into the Stanley Cup playoffs, and the Blue Jays, they're off to a hot start. And 
who knows what they can do as the season goes on. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, my friend. You know, but, but looking uh, across the country, and we go all the way. Let's take a look going out all the way out to the National League West. And the Colorado Rockies, that's what I was a little bit interested in. We're looking at a team, oh, last year. They didn't do so well last year. They were pretty much in the basement. But this year, thus far, and we're, we're only talking five games into the season, mind you, they are leading the NL West, and that means they're over the Giants, they're over the Dodgers, they're over the Padres, and over the Diamondbacks. Okay, I, I get that's the Diamondbacks, but still, that they're all good teams in that National League West, and the Rockies are looking pretty daggone good. I, I wasn't really expecting anything from them, especially it seemed like they they had nobody left out there, but here they are, only five games in, but they're still leading the division a half game over the Giants, who look like they're going to be good again this year. And I, I kind of feel like I'm breaking my own rule of wait till Memorial Day for, Memorial Day for some takeaways. But, hey, we, we got to talk about something a little bit. Oh, yeah. It, it's like I said, I know it's early. You know, last year, the Rockies, they fell under 500 for their total wins at the end of the season. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Who are some of the other teams out there that have drawn your attention? Well, one team that's caught my attention, not, not in a good way, they spend all this money in the offseason is the Texas Rangers. I mean, they look, they got Corey Seager. They made big splashes in free agency, went all in trying to get people to come out and see the new ballpark. And not off to the greatest of starts going one and four. I mean, I know they played good teams. They, they opened up in Toronto against the Blue Jays, and then they were in Denver taking on the Rockies, who seemed to be off to a hot, hot start as well. So, I mean, I can't really bash them too much since – like I said, it's only five, six games into the season, and they played pretty decent teams so far. We'll hold on for our rock hard analysis of them for a little, <laughs> little later in the season. But yeah, uh, high expectations. You know, we talk about a big, 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 big amount of money that is being spent. You know, to put together that stadium, and then big amount of money to bring in some of these stars for the Rangers. And they're going to look for some results, and fans are going to look for them, and certainly the owners. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to look up the uh, their total salaries for this year. I, this is according to Fangraphs. Their estimated 2022 payroll, it looks like it's going to be about $145 million, So they're not up there with the Dodgers and the Yankees, but still they they handed out a good chunk of change to guys like Seager and, and Simeon as well. Well, like I said, I'm not surprising that uh, the expectations are high, but you know, we'll see how that plays out. Oh, let's see. What else is going on out there? Oh, yeah, and you know, and looking out that way too, as far as the Giants, they had a little controversy, you know, with Mike Schilt. Antoine Richardson, third base coach for the Giants, was working his deal out there, doing one thing or another. Anyway, Mike Schilt in the dugout for the Padres had a thing or two to say for him, including the MF word. As you might imagine, Richardson got a bit upset, said something back and was moving, I guess, toward the dugout or near the dugout. And at that point, the umpire threw him out of the game. Well, the, the good news, if there is good news after something like that, is Alyssa Nakin came out and from the Giants, and she wound up uh, running third base from there as a coach. She became the first female coach to coach on the field. Uh, kudos to her for that. And I'm sure she's done a lot of great things before this and will do a lot of great things to, in the future as well. The good news, if you want to call it that again, there, while there was some kind of heat initially between Richardson and Schilt, 
The next day they met out there at home plate with the media and sat down and said, you know what? There were some misunderstandings, and Schultz said, I said something, you know, that MF word I should never have said. So a day later, in cooler heads, I guess, or maybe just a little bit of thought and conversation, they chatted it out, and Richardson said, you know, he didn't think Schultz was a racist, but he, he wanted to convey the effects of his words. This is more something we both want to use as an opportunity to bring awareness. That sometimes words that are harmless are very insensitive to others, and it's really just important that we are conscious of these things that we are saying. Once again, Schilte's been a big supporter of the black community. I appreciate him taking ownership and understanding the impacts of his words. Evidently, that was the end of it. They met with the press at home plate, and all the and any animosity that may have been there has long since been quelled. One bright, uh, shining light came from all of that brouhaha, and that was seeing Alyssa knocking out there as a field coach. I'm glad to see her talent there, and I'm glad it's being recognized because people do need to, one, realize that it hasn't been happening enough, and two, for anybody, uh, a young woman or a young girl who wants even thinking about a career in baseball, guess what? It can happen. So I think it was very important for those reasons alone. Yeah, because, I mean, you never know who's watching, and, you know, I mean, it should really matter, man, woman, whatever you identify as. If you, if you know baseball and you can coach it, you, you deserve a shot. Agreed. So kudos to Alyssa and also glad to see that Schilt and Richardson were able to mend the fences. That's We talk about the spirit and the nature of baseball and the, the ability to be able to forgive and forget, to, to move on. And that's what we're going to do right now with this part of the episode. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're, nice we're, transition, we're, though. Yeah, you like that? That's pretty good. I, I'm, a, I'm a genius when it comes to that sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So you know, you look at some of these things with words being said, like Mike Schilt, et cetera. And he's not the only one out there saying things that people may regret. You know, you, you look at the judge thing, and and I know I'm beating a dead horse here, so I'll be real brief. But the whole thing about the Aaron Judge and how much money he's making out there. There's been little rumors back and forth. Some things were a little snippety and snippety, and you know, some things from Brian Cashman, some things from John Heyman, and I think. Who else was out there? I think Anthony Rizzo made some comments about, you know, what's going on, how they feel about it. And in the end, that's between them. Go ahead and make that up. Uh, I'm not concerned about all those pieces. So Yankees, keep that to yourself. And actually, maybe spend a little more time trying to figure out how you're going to beat the Blue Jays today. That might be more important <laughs> for you. Yeah, I mean, it looked like Judge, he, they, they didn't really agree on much anything. It was like Judge, he wanted, you know, the Mike Trout contract some a longer deal. He wanted to be in New York for long term and, and get paid close to the same amount. And, you know, the Yankees, they were hoping he would back down off of that with injury concerns, which I mean, I don't blame him, but Trout also has injury concerns as well. So might be a decent barometer as, as well. I'm looking forward to seeing what that actually, how that finally does roll out, but thank goodness we got baseball actually going on out in the field. So what's going to go back in the office with contracts and such, uh, you guys take care of it. I want to see what's going on in the field. And like I said, you better step up, Yankees, because the Blue Jays are coming, and they're coming hard. Yeah. So we'll see what goes on with the rest of the week with that. A lot of times, you know, people who get in front of a mic say things that, you know, they probably will regret later. Uh, well, there's you and I. But <laughs> uh, but uh, looking at across in the Cincinnati Reds and their president, Castellini, you know, the thing of it is if you're live on a show, and somebody asks you a question, 
you still need to gauge it, you know, how you're going to respond to it. And you shouldn't allow yourself to be, oh, what do I want to say, egged on into saying something just for sensationalism. Well, Castellini, he, he kind of did. Uh, let's see, we're going to play an excerpt. I think it's from WLW, an interview he had the other day with them. And they were going over, so I guess, some tweets or some commentaries that from fans who were not pleased with, uh, with the Reds' results and, and wanted to know what they were going to do about it. If I remember correctly, part of the uh, critique against the Reds was like, you know, say, what are you going to do? Do something like, you know, Baltimore or something like that? Well, Castellini came right back. And here's what he had to say on opening day on WLW. That's the bottom line. Sloaney asked you about the quote, show a little faith in this, right? Yeah. And I, I saw you got right to the Colts. So you, you have people who say, look, uh, faith is earned 15 years of ownership. They haven't won to the extent that we would like. And so you had my faith, but you've lost it. Why should that fan maintain trust in you? Well, where are you going to go? <laughs> Let's start there. I mean, sell but the team to who? I mean, well, that's the other thing. I mean, you want to have this debate? You know, if, if you want to look at what would you do with this team to have it be more profitable, make more money, compete more in the current economic system that this game exists, mm-hmm. it would be to pick it up and move it somewhere else. Yeah. And so be careful what you ask for. You know, I think we're doing the best we can do with the resources well, that we I, have. I, I, we're- well, Brandon, there's a financier at work. There's a man with a business plan, but <laughs> it doesn't necessarily include the fans per se. Uh, it's certainly not in Cincinnati, but you know, he, he, I said, again, I want to give him a little bit of room because you, you get caught up in the moment and people say things, but you shouldn't be saying that when you're the president of the daggone team. <laughs> well, you're, you're a little bit more lenient than me, but I'll, I'll be nice to the guy. It, it was opening day. So why not riff the fans on opening day and a couple things, where are they going to go? They can go across town to the team with the bright future with the franchise quarterback that just made a Super Bowl run. They can go there. Uh, what else did he say? Uh, the fans can be upset also because you haven't won a playoff series since 1995. <laughs> I am in my early 20s, and that was before I was born. Actually, Ooh. I don't even think my parents were married when that happened, so that's how long it's been. <laughs> Friends was only in its second season at that time as well, so it's been a bit. You were born after friends. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was born in the late nineties. That's all I'll say, at least live. And it's like these owners, especially in baseball, it seems like you should be grateful that we have our team here in your city. You owe us. I mean, we don't have to look very far for that. Just look across the Bay. Yeah. And it's like in this day and age with everything going on, people don't want to hear this coming from their owners. Like, that they owe you, you owe them, if anything. And it's your words have consequences because look at the race. How's their attendance doing so far this year, Mark? Ooh, my gosh, man. I looked at it, watched it last night, and it was like a vacuum. It just like all of the the uh, <laughs> the audience must have just been sucked right out of the place. I mean, it, it looked almost as bad as the Detroit Tigers did the other day out in the rain and the cold. Yeah, at least that's an excuse. It's a midday game and it's cold and rainy. But I mean, what do you expect? There's only so much fans are willing to take from an owner. And yeah. why should they spend their money? And in, in the way the world is right now with you know inflation and all this stuff going on, there's more important things they could be spending their money on. And they don't want to hear some millionaire's son telling them, hey, we can go somewhere else if we want. Where are you going to go? 
Yeah. That's, People don't really want to hear that. No, no. And, and, and as well, they shouldn't have to. So, you know, you beg questions like that, and he's going to be saying something stupid like that. It's just wrong. I mean, well, GMs, owners, you know, they, they, if they insult the fans, don't be surprised if there's some kind of pushback. And I truly believe what you're saying about the, the attendance probably at the Rays isn't just simply because of excitement about them, but maybe it's kind of a pushback against Stu. Maybe that will wind up happening more and more with other teams. We'll see. It wouldn't shock me, but I mean, at least give an honest apology too. Castellini and Stu both did like the shoulder shrug. Oh, well, I'm sorry about that, man. It's like what I do when I mess up on the show and I apologize to you. <laughs> That's what it was what, like. What, let's see. What did Castellini say? Uh, yeah, the whole part. And be careful what you ask for. I think we're doing the best we, we can do with the resources that we have. We're no more pleased with the results than the fans. I'm not here saying anybody should be happy. I'm not polishing trophies in the office right now. And that's what we're here to do. Polish trophies? I don't get it. Uh, but the bottom line, and I do think we've had to shift the discipline. We've had a lot of things that didn't work, and they came this close to working and didn't. Nobody's got to tell me it didn't work. Okay, I'm, I'm doing this more emphatically than he did. I just... To put a little bit more into it, but then he came back and he said, I apologize to Red fans and regret the comments that I made earlier today. He said, we love this city. We love this team and we love our fans. I understand how our fans feel and I am sorry. Woof. (laughs) (laughs) Very heartfelt, I see. Oh, gosh. Lord help us all. But, you know, you got to wonder, it is a business, these people. And sometimes to, um, well, not the inattention or the lack of attention to the fans. If, we're, if they're going to see that these people are business people and they're not always just going to invest in that team. If we look over history, it's interesting. We've seen in the past how owners will manipulate a city, you know, with a team. And look, I was reading a Bobby Valentine's book, Valentine's Way. And one of them is he was recounting when he was with uh, management with the Rangers is how the Texas Rangers were trying to manipulate the city about getting some things done. And they threatened to move their team to Tampa Bay. <laughs> oh, that, that makes three organizations that almost moved here. There, there you go. See, this was like back in around 1989. And oh, yeah, I wasn't uh, around for that one. No, <laughs> another pre Brandon move, but yeah. And, and that's not the only thing I was looking at. Uh, Craig Calcaterra, we were talking about some of the things he's put out there in the past. And he did a pretty good analysis. I'm going to hype this book one more time. We don't have a commercial in the show, but if we did, this would be it. Uh, Rethinking Fandom. Great book. And he goes into that, and he was looking at how owners, you know, kind of shift their loyalties, or not even a loyalty so much about shift their interest and where they're going to be able to make more money. I was talking about Bobby Valentine, and specifically in his book, here's the, uh, the quote from the book. Tampa was a dummy franchise for teams that wanted to hold their city ransom. They had built a mausoleum there in St. Petersburg, <laughs> the Saints, the Suncoast Dome that became the Thunderdome that became Con- Tropicana Field. Yeah, you remember before we actually had a team, uh, we were building a stadium in hopes of actually being able to attract one. And that's why one of the reasons they were uh, a uh, dummy franchise, as Bobby Valentine says in his book, Valentine's Way. Yeah, and scanning through great, uh, Craig Calcaterra's book, you know, you, he's talking about, of course, how the Brooklyn Dodgers and New York Giants, they moved out to L.A. 
these things just didn't happen. You know, there, there was a chance to make more money. Owners saw this happening. Presumably MLB thought it was a good move too, because not, none of that would have happened without them. So if you're looking for allegiance from owners, you know, you gotta remember they're looking for a paycheck, man. And talking about another sport, and this just happened about a month ago, maybe not even, but the Buffalo Bills threatened to move from Buffalo. I mean, those two go together perfectly. They have one of the most loyal fan bases in all of sports. The Raiders had one of the most loyal fan bases in all of sports in Oakland. They still left for Vegas. And, you know, the Bills use the threat of, oh, we'll move to San Antonio, which, I mean, they kind of seem like the, the dummy franchise of the NFL because I think the Saints almost moved there when the Superdome was still torn apart from Katrina. But yeah. It was, they ended up getting a sweetheart deal. It was like a over a billion dollar stadium, and most of it was funded by the city, which I don't know how Buffalo has a, almost a billion dollars. And they wound up cutting like an $800 million program with the state a couple days after they announced the deal. I don't get it. I mean, you look at what's going on with the Rays. We've talked about them, and God knows because we have an interest there. But I, we've joked about saying, well, why don't you get Bezos involved? Why don't you get Elon Musk? You know, Elon Musk just spent almost $3 million for a 9% share of Twitter. He could have bought himself a team and a, a stadium for that, you know, for that amount of money. Getting back to Buffalo, and, and like I said, Buffalo Bills, where, wherever else are you going to go with this team? Where else are you going to be able to come up with a name that works with that team? I don't know. It's it's just all about the dollar with some of these owners. They don't yeah. care about the teams or winning. It's They just only care about the money. Well, and if you take a look, I mean, there are owners who have uh, invested in other teams and while still maintaining a loyalty and, and keeping up a team that they, they primarily had. I mean, you look at the Glazers who own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're getting out of baseball a bit, but it's about finances and supporting a team. The Glazers who have done a fantastic job with the Buccaneers. I mean, bringing in Tom Brady, winning a Super Bowl. People were concerned about them a couple of years ago when they looked across the, the water and said, hey, how about over there in that Premier League? Let's uh, Manchester United. They look pretty good on, on our stock report there, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. They look good on the stock report, but I don't know much about soccer. It sounds like they don't look as good on the field, though. <laughs> yeah, well, but I think what I guess I'm getting at is initially Tampa Bay fans were concerned that the Glazers wouldn't give enough attention to the Bucks. Uh, maybe they do need to give a little bit more interest to Manchester United, but they're not the only ones, you know, with, with teams here in the U.S. who've looked at, you know, going into other sports and uh, other countries. You take the Los Angeles Rams. They, too, were looking at one of the soccer premier leagues, and that's the Arsenal. They got that one. It's it's difficult to see where, where things are going to happen with all this. So I don't expect, uh, I guess, an allegiance or an excitement about a team, you know, a team for, from its owner, because they're looking at this as an investment. Let's see right now what's going on. Okay. So many people are not doing business with anything Russian, you know, because of the, the terrible tragedy going on in the Ukraine. And yet I've been hearing about this uh, deal with, for the Chelsea team, you know, which I believe is owned by one of those oligarchs. And there's several MLB teams that have people that are actually looking at investing with that and picking up the Chelsea team. Some of them are looking at here too, Brandon. I mean, the Chicago Cubs, the Ricketts family gets a lot of grief a lot of time and 
usually quite quite uh, reasonably so when you look at who all they let, let uh, they gave away last year as far as I'm concerned. If you look at the, uh, the Griffiths family, they and Ken Griffin have to, decided to make a bid for the Chelsea uh, teams. They'll, there's going to be a number of other players that American owners in the Premier League. We talked about the Glazers. Now, the Jets, New York Jets owner, Woody Johnson, and he's also trying to put together a deal for Chelsea. Another one moving into the European soccer world. So let's see what, oh yeah, of course, <laughs> the Dodgers. So two of the LA Dodgers co-owners are also going to go head to head with a lot of the other folks over there for the premier league and trying to get, uh, get Chelsea. I don't know, man, you know, the, the owners, I guess I don't look at that so much as abandoning their teams that they currently have as just looking for a second investment. Yeah, I, I can see it that way too. And another owner or actually ownership group that's diversifying their portfolio is the Fenway group who owns the Red Sox. They just bought the Penguins earlier this year, and they also are part owners of RFK Racing and NASCAR. So they've diversified their portfolio as well, but they went a different route. Instead of going to the the Premier League, they went to the NHL and NASCAR. Well, you know, I mean, that's the thing is a lot of times a sport rises and falls, you know, with popularity and you got people, what, 15, 20 years ago, NASCAR, you know, they just saw that for people like me, people down the South who had nothing else to do, but go out and enjoy uh, fast cars and a few uh, accidents. Maybe. No, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I could go all on and on about the rise and fall of NASCAR. I mean, yeah. how long you got? <laughs> <laughs> we got to do a show on that sometime. It's, we got to do a sports split show, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a lot going on out there. And like I said, I accept that. I just don't want to see owners neglecting their teams here in, in the major league baseball and the reds. I'm not sure that, that they're uh, really enhancing that team. So we'll, we'll see. So it's real easy to like I said, give a critique here after just the first opening week, five or six games into the season. Well, now that I've gone on with my rant about owners, once again, what else you got to throw at us? Um, we have some positives we can talk about trying to brighten the show up a little bit. Oh, I like that. Let's do that. Uh, there's a couple guys who have caught the eye of the baseball world in the, the five games of the season so far. We'll start with the Cleveland Guardians, and I did not call them their former name, so I'm proud of myself there. <laughs> Stephen Kwan. And through five games, and some of this comes courtesy of John Sable on Twitter, through five games, he was 10 for 14 with a 667 average, 750 on base, seven runs, seven walks, four RBIs, two doubles, a triple, and a hit by pitch. And he went 150 pitches. And can you guess how many swings and misses he had? Mm. Uh, I, I don't know. Somewhere around 100 or thereabouts. He had zero. Zero. Yes. And then that streak <laughs> went up until Wednesday where the first pitch that he saw he swung and missed, and the streak ended at 116. Wow. So a bit of a, a good stretch there for him, and his last strikeout up until Wednesday was September 26th of 2021. So that was 76 plate appearances. Wow, that's fantastic, man. I must have been 100 on the other side of that one. But <laughs> wow, I mean, Quan's just absolutely killing it. And I love seeing that going on with the Guardians, too. There's, there's that kind of excitement with some of these players. and. 
I, I know there's a lot of ones outside as well. Who's that? Uh, who's that guy newbie who came across the water and playing for the Cubs? What's he been up to? Oh, uh, Seiya Suzuki, and I have some stuff on him from NBC Sports Edge and Stats Perform. At one point, he had, I believe it still holds up, he has more home runs than swings and misses. He had three home runs and two swings and misses. And he is the, has been the only player with eight or more RBIs and four or more walks over his first four career games since RBI became an official stat all the way back in 1920. And at the moment, he is currently hitting 417 with eight RBIs, four walks, five strikeouts, 529 on base percentage, and a 1696 OPS. Wow. And just for reference, the average OPS over the last few years has been about in the 700s. (laughs) (laughs) I know I I saw him and I was watching his first at bat. Wow, he he hit a home run, I think, right? His first at bat, man. This guy was crazy. I mean, his first game in the U.S., his first game as a Cub, first game, uh, first uh, hit as a home run. And the excitement just is amazing for him and internationally as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what kind of future he brings because it's obviously he's kicking butt right now. I see another uh, old Tampanian friend around here is doing well. Just even last night, the polar bear himself, Mr. Pete Alonso, you know, he was doing, let's see, with the Mets. And a game the other night against the Phillies, Pete had five RBIs in one game when there was like a nine to six win over the Mets. So you could say he contributed. <laughs> and I'll throw one more out there. I didn't put in our uh, our notes, but we got to give this man some love because, hey, we're, we're a big fan of him. But G-Man Choi, so far this year, he's hitting 563, four runs, six RBIs, two home runs. So he's been off to a really good start in. I mean, him and Wander Franco have been pretty much carrying the Rays team so far. Yeah, Franco's been absolutely amazing. And Choi, just wow. I know it wasn't in a tweet or a message you sent to me the other day when Choi was doing so well. You said, uh, Freddie, who? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, like, I said, yeah, that, that's right, because there was some discussion about Freddie coming to the Tampa Bay Rays at one point. But Choi has definitely uh, continued to put himself up there as far as delivering the goods. And look a little further into the Rays simply for some fun. And I love it, buddy. My my good, close, personal friend. Actually, he's everybody's good, close, personal friend if you watch the game. And that's Brett Phillips. This guy is amazing. He's he's absolutely insane out there in outfield. And I saw some catches he was making. It was outstanding. And the other night when the Rays were really struggling, and I think it was the night Patino uh, pitched only like 13 pitches, took an injury. They were looking kind of sharp, coming up sharp on pitchers toward the end of the game, and they put Brett Phillips, an outfielder, right up there on the mound. <laughs> oh, and there's some hijinks there. You'll have to take a look online for this. But one of them while he was pitching, he's, he's racing to catch the ball because there's a pop-up, and lo and behold, he's sliding across the dirt in front of the Oakland A's dugout to swap, pick up, uh, I think, practically a basket catch from the ball, and it's like, wow. Uh, he, he entertains, but you know, he continued to go on entertaining some more that week. Yeah. And he had a really good feel good story and, and, and we love to promote those where there was an eight year old girl. Her name was Chloe Grimes or is Chloe Grimes. And I believe this is her second time going through her battle with cancer. Yeah. And she's a big Brett Phillips fan. So she got to throw out the first pitch to him 
and she gave her or she gave him her uh, her wristband and he he wore it and while she was being interviewed he got to hit a home run so that was something that was really cool to see and those are the moments i think that we all enjoy you know not merely just antoine and mike shield giving one another a hug but to see something like that story with brett phillips and chloe and her he said doing the first pitch her giving him the bracelet those are the sort of things that really do make baseball fun. And I saw they also went and got the ball off of the ring and he's going to sign it for her and then give, they'll give her the, the ball. So that's another cool thing that they're giving her. Yeah. Brett said that, that was maybe the farthest ball he ever hit. Certainly the, the one that stayed up the <laughs> longest anyway. Yeah. But, he was up there for a little while. A couple of days. No. <laughs> oh, God bless them both. And uh, certainly Chloe grabs. And if you guys are, interested in helping her out there is a gofundme page for chloe if you put in chloe grimes you'll be able to find this on gofundme so um you know a young lady again fighting her second bout with cancer and look like she's got a lot of strong spirit much more so than many of us can muster i'm sure so god bless them both and you know hope they both have great things to come yeah i don't think i could have said it better myself well what other little fun things are going out there above and beyond the world of baseball, Brandon. Oh, so we got a, and we have a ton of things that have been going on lately. I mean, F1 may, they made their return to Australia. That was something really cool to see. They had like 440,000 people there over the weekend. So that was something really fun to see. I had to stay up till one o'clock in the morning to watch the real, the race live, but I didn't do that. I caught the replay at nine in the morning. <laughs> um, let's see. We got, the NBA playoff games happened this week and playoffs should be starting this weekend. So I love myself some NBA playoff basketball. It's always fun to watch. Uh, the Stanley cup playoffs. Those are closing in hockey should be wrapping up here in a couple weeks. So we got some, some playoff races going on and then you know how much, how much I love the Stanley cup playoffs. That's always something I think the best playoffs in the world, but I'm slightly biased. The lightning have done very well in them lately. And, you know, we, we talked NASCAR earlier in the show. They're racing on dirt this weekend. So what? that's something I, yeah, they're doing their second dirt race. They, they did it last year. It was the first time they'd done it in like 50, 60 years. And I mean, I'm excited for it. I grew up going watching a dirt track here, here in our area. That's so I, I just think that's really cool to see. And it's at Bristol, one of my favorite tracks. So Ooh, yeah. you combine the two, it's always going to be a good show. And that'll be Sunday night on Fox if you want to watch it. Check it out, boys and girls. And one more thing I'll say, too, is following myself occasionally, the NCAA softball and the women out there just doing a fantastic job. Not surprisingly, Oklahoma's just staying up there on top. It's like they, they truly are a league of their own. It's, a, it's amazing. So if you guys get a chance to follow that as well, a lot of great things happening there. And for you Florida folks, FSU is still, believe it, in, in the top five. So we'll see how everything rolls out there. Any other goodies, any other things we need to share with our friends? Uh, no, I, I think uh, we, we're leaving this at a good spot. Okay. Well, we want to thank all you all once again for joining us and kind of taking a quick brief look at opening week with MLB. Glad to see that there was a season starting. And a lot of us are wondering if that was going to happen, me especially. But it's here. Excitement's there. Get out and see a ball game. Heck, let's see the Rays are playing here at one o'clock today. I might go yet. I might, you know, who knows? They got one o'clock with athletics and see how, what happens. And I'm sure there's a lot going on in your market. If you're not directly close to an MLB team, 
find one of your minor league teams. There's excitement will out. And with that, Brandon, I'll hand it over to you. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And hopefully we'll we'll see you again next week. Remember to like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, spread the word about us. And remember to follow us on Twitter. Mark, you're at the baseball biz. Is that correct? You got it. And I am at Sports Blitz Pod on Twitter. And hopefully we'll see you again next week. Special thanks to XTech RUX for the music rocking forward. Going, gone. That's just terrible. Terrible basketball.